Welcome to Now on Netflix and welcome to November. It's a time of a lot of choices to pumpkin spice or not to pumpkin spice, to watch a movie that might be an Oscar contender, or to watch real estate agents who don't know the story of Noah's Ark. I'm Jessica Shaw. You might know me from Sirius XM, and I am joined by the smartest pop culture expert on the planet. He's Henry Goldblatt. He's the editor of todoom.com. Hello, Henry. Hi, I don't think I can live up to that billing at all, but thank you, that's very kind. It's so good to see you, Jessica. It's so good to see you too. And I love like our cozy little show today of just the two of us because we have so much to talk about that, I mean, oh my gosh, like where do we even begin? I know exactly where we're gonna begin. We're gonna begin with something that's not even new. And one of the reasons I wanna start with this is because it's a show I am so incredibly excited about, a show that I've been waiting for it to be on Netflix. And the show is Six Feet Under. It's a show I watched in its entirety when it was on the first time around. It started right after 9-11 and the timing was auspicious and odd. And it ended in what, 2005, one of my favorite shows, Henry. What were your thoughts on Six Feet Under back when it came out? And have you revisited it? I have not revisited it. And as you said, Jessica, it ended in 2005. So there's basically a whole generation of people who've been born since this show went off the air. And I'm so excited for people to find it and revisit it again. For those of you who don't know what it's about, it's about a family who owns a funeral home in Los Angeles. And it stars Peter Krause and Michael C. Hall, you may know from Dexter. And each show starts with the death. And... Um, it unfolds from there, and it's wildly creative, and I'm eager to see if it stands the test of time, and I think there's a new audience that's going to find it. Yeah, I think so, too. It's going to premiere on November 1st. I have to say, because I just did a full rewatch of this series, it was so interesting, the characters that popped for me this time around. I mean, yes, you mentioned Peter Krause and Michael C. Hall, who play these brothers, Nate and David Fisher, who sort of inherit the family funeral home, and, and Lauren Ambrose plays Claire, their younger sister, and Frances Conroy, to me, who plays their mother, Ruth. She's the one when I did the rewatch that I just found myself with my jaw on the ground and how unbelievably perfect her line readings were and how funny she is and how heartbreaking she is. That character really jumped to me on a rewatch. Well, you're not the only one. She won an Emmy for the role, as did Michael C. Hall and Peter Krause. And Jessica, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this show's finale. And I don't want to spoil it by any stretch of the imagination, but only to say it's one of those memorable, amazing, beautiful series finales that I've ever seen. I think it's pretty much considered the best series finale of all time. I think recently, just, I don't know, a couple of months ago, George R. R. Martin gave an interview and he's called it perfect. And he sort of said, that's the touchstone. All series finales are compared against this one because it's so good. I mean, it's been talked about a lot. It's set to the music of Sia's Breathe Me. And that song, by the way, like wasn't even that popular. And then when it aired on the show, it became this huge charted and it became wildly popular. Um, and you find out at the end of the series how everyone dies. And it's not spoiling anything. We're not going to tell you how anyone dies. You got to watch all five seasons to find out. But it is mind-blowingly beautiful. And I have to say, this is a finale that I've watched over and over and over again. And even just those last seven minutes, 
I weep. It really is a masterpiece in finale craftsmanship. And the other thing, you know, it's created by Alan Ball. And he also was a writer on American Beauty, which is a little connection to Annette Bening, who we're going to be talking about later in the show. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that. I also have to say that I want people to look out for something I did not remember when I first saw it back in the early 2000s. The musical numbers, you know, if you and I are talking, I'm going to start talking about musicals and theater and, and you know, obviously. And by the way, Michael C. Hall and Lauren Ambrose both went on to be incredibly successful musical theater. I mean, Lauren Ambrose, I saw in My Fair Lady. Michael C. Hall has done a ton of things, including Hedvig. And so they're both extraordinarily talented. But there are all of these tiny little gems that are musical numbers sort of like peppered throughout the series that they make little sense and they don't necessarily have to be there, but they are so glorious. And there is one in particular. Lauren Ambrose sings a version of You Light Up My Life, and it is an ode to pantyhose. And the lyrics she uses are, you ride up my thighs and it is my new favorite song. Oh my God. How did I forget that even 20 years later? That is amazing. Come for the heartwarming family drama. Stay for the pantyhose song. I will be there. Selling Sunset season seven is out tomorrow. I mean, if you haven't watched the first six seasons, I guess you could jump in, but why miss out on all the joy? Of course, it's the drama of the Oppenheim group and all of these real estate agents who, by the way, have clothing budgets like I can't even imagine, and they are selling the most incredible incredible, unbelievably huge and posh and fancy and amazing houses in Los Angeles. But of course, the real estate is nothing compared to the drama with all of these agents. At the end of last season, the big question was, what's going to happen to Chriselle? Is she going to leave the show? She got married to G Flip and they were off in Australia on this tour and Chriselle is mercifully back, but she is not without drama this season because in case you don't know, and by the way, you should, Chriselle, of course, was dating Jason for a very long time. They broke up. He didn't want to have kids. And now Jason is dating a kid. Not really, but she is young. <laughs> she is young. The other drama Chrishell has is with a quote-unquote new agent, Nicole Young. Um, Nicole has actually been on the Oppenheim group more like longer than any of these agents, but she was like in the basement or something. They didn't let her on camera. And so she's come to the show last season with all the feral energy of somebody who's been like leashed up in a basement for 10 years and is like just ready to explode. And she does not like Chrishell one bit and doesn't make any bones about it. Oh, absolutely not. It's very interesting, the lines that get drawn. It's basically like survivor real estate. It's kind of crazy because, you know, Chriselle has Emma and Emma is her right-hand person. But Nicole has Mary and the two of them sort of, they've known each other forever. Amanda, God bless her. First of all, she carries around, is it Hermes? I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's Chanel and it's a bowling ball and she deserves a Nobel Prize for peace. Like, um, she tried to broker the peace between these two warring factions and I don't want to spoil it but doesn't do the greatest job. <laughs> 
Right. I mean, she definitely, yes, at times she is a little bit like the wrecking ball that she carries. We have to just describe this because it is so amazing. God bless the house of Chanel for even designing it. It's not a purse that's shaped like a ball and you open it and it's hollow inside and you can hold things. It's an actual ball. Jessica, I had a lot of questions when I saw the ball. First of all, like I don't carry a purse. So wouldn't you actually need another purse to carry all your stuff in? Like, where do you put your wallet and keys and phone and stuff like that? Yes. And if you're Brie, where do you put your single Cheeto? Because Brie carries one Cheeto in case she gets hungry in her, I believe it's a Birkin bag. That's incredible. I admire her restraint. Yes. I mean, yes. But although, can you even imagine like the orange fuzzies that come off Cheetos? Like if that got on the lining of my what, however many thousands of dollars that bag cost, I would not be happy. I wouldn't either. That doesn't seem like a wise move. Um, Brie was introduced last season as well as sort of the Christine replacement, quote unquote. And her claim to fame, we'll call it a claim to fame, is that she has a child with Nick Cannon, one of his 17. Yes. And do not try and tell her what a family is. And don't try and like pretend that any of that is your business because she is like absolutely not happy. She's like, you don't you don't need to agree with my life. And I have to say, I kind of agree with her. Brie is feuding with Chelsea, who's actually advocating exactly the opposite of what you just said. She is trying to impose her own values onto Brie's parenting situation. We can say about Chelsea, though, that like she's absolutely the best dressed, right? A hundred percent. Yes, we can definitely agree on that. One of the big dramas this season does involve, I mean, Chriselle is, she's the epicenter of it, but also Jason and his girlfriend, Marie Lou, who is younger. We met her last season. I did not think they were going to last for another season. Well, spoiler alert, they haven't lasted past the season. We know in real life from people.com. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it is pretty glorious watching this relationship unfold and watching like what's going to happen with her and with Chriselle, his ex. And what are the rules of being exes who are friends, exes who hang out? And it is so much fun fun to watch and you can like practically see Chriselle's head exploding in real time. Yeah, because Chriselle could kind of care less and it's so obvious that Jason is still in love with her and like harbors these deep feelings and like Chriselle was the love of his life and he's going to just have a parade of 20-something women in perpetuity because he can't have Chriselle. So I feel badly for him, but it is great drama. opposite end of the spectrum I mean no offense to the you know selling sunset team I don't see them perhaps being part of an Oscar conversation anytime soon on the other hand the movie Nyad which is out tomorrow I have to imagine it will be part of the Oscar conversation because it stars Annette Bening and Jodie Foster Annette Bening plays Diana Nyad obviously the record-breaking extraordinary swimmer Jodie Foster plays her best friend slash X slash coach Bonnie. Henry, what did you think of this movie? I had a lot of thoughts about this movie, Jessica. The first is that Jodie Foster is doing some amazing bandana work. I have never seen so many bandanas and so many different colors, and I got it handed to her. She is really, really pulling them off. But more importantly, and more seriously, like I must be living under a rock because I didn't know this story at all, and I was captivated. And it was so rewarding in particular to see two actresses, Annette Bening and Jodie Foster, just like playing off each other and thriving and and it was really, really well done. I didn't know what to expect going into this, and I can't recommend it enough. I really enjoyed it. 
First of all, Diana Nyad co-wrote the film along with Julia Cox. It's directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarelli, who directed Free Solo, which is another movie I love. And yes, Diana Nyad was a well-known swimmer when she was younger, became a very successful sports journalist, and then decided she had this white whale. She wanted to do this 110-mile swim from Cuba to Florida, and it eluded her when she was younger, and she is determined to do it. And she starts trying at 60, and the film spans several years as she attempts to do this swim. And it's a pretty extraordinary testament to don't give up up on your dreams. Um, this swim is like 57 hours or something like that and requires 250,000 crawl strokes. And she supposedly loses 20 pounds afterwards. So it's just incredible. And it goes through um, the number of times that she attempts it and the obstacles that she encounters. Just being a woman in her 60s, like trying to do this amazing feat. Jessica, the other thing I loved about this film is the intercut actual footage from the real Diane Nyad. Like they showed her appearance on Johnny Carson and um, just various accolades and stuff that she got. So it was educational. It was really, really, really extraordinarily acted. And I teared up at the end, Jessica, I won't lie. Oh my gosh, of course. Are you kidding? And and at the end as well, they intercut between these two incredible actresses and the actual Bonnie and the actual Diana. And it's very, very moving to watch. I forgot how much I missed Jodie Foster as an actress. And I just went back through IMDb and realized this is only her third role since 2015. Um, there was Hotel Artemis and The Mauritanian, um, which is actually available on Netflix. So it's such a treat to see her on screen when she appears. And I was so happy to like revisit her again. Totally. And I also love when you see two greats together. I think very often, sometimes with women and especially with older women, it's kind of like there's room for one of you in a cast. And here are the two of them together. These two, I mean, two, I would say, of the greatest actresses working, period. And to get to see them both act off each other and they play off each other so, so well. It, it's such a treat. It sure is. And Jody took the less flashy role. Like she wasn't trying to compete. Like this movie is called Nyad and it's clearly stars Annette Benning. Um, but um, she made this what could have been sort of a supporting role that fell into the background into really something special. She has done so much over the course of her career. And yet I found myself surprised by the power of the performance of Bonnie. I agree completely. Can you imagine how much time Annette Bening had to spend in the water as well? And like, that can't be easy. And it was a harrowing role to do. So I really give her kudos. And I think we're going to see both of them mentioned at Oscar time. Oh, absolutely. Did it make you want to get in a pool and swim? Never, ever, ever. And it definitely didn't make me want to get into an ocean and swim either. Like, thank you, sharks, Portuguese man of war. No, thank you. No, thank you. Oh, no. Yes, you see it all. And I kind of feel like I finished the movie, the credits were rolling, and I went and I burned every single swimsuit I owned. <laughs> the other thing that it did is that there's a certain like older lesbian subculture here in L.A., and it captured it beautifully. Like and there's such little details like Jodie Foster's house and like the party that she throws for Diana Nyad at the beginning of the movie to celebrate her turning 60. Like there was a certain subculture that I really appreciate that I thought it did a good job capturing. 
Totally. I also love that that at the end, I mean, this is all public record. People, if you know anything about Diana Nyad, you know that she accomplished what she set out to do. And it's very moving at the end when you see people standing on the beach with rainbow flags. Yes. And you realize she's such an icon to everyone, to athletes, to women, to the lesbian community. And it's very, very moving because this didn't happen, you know, a year ago. And you, you just think about who are the people who stand for a group? I, I don't know. I just I found that so beautiful. Jessica, unfortunately, she was not a hero to the Dancing with the Stars community because she competed on the show and was the first one booted out. Forget it. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> if you can get past that detail, Nyad will be out tomorrow. Henry, one other show I do want to talk about is All the Light We Cannot See. It's a four-part series, and it's based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Anthony Doerr that came out years ago. It's a tome. I mean, that book is like 500-plus pages, time jumps, the narrator changes, and it is an undertaking. It's about this girl, um, Marie-Laure, who's blind in France, in Paris in 1940, and she and her father have to escape to the South when the Nazis invade. It's also the story of this boy who is kind of recruited and forced into being a Nazi named Werner. And their stories in the book are kind of told in alternating chapters side by side. And Sean Levy, who a lot of people know from Stranger Things, he optioned the rights to this book and turned it into a four-part series. It's written by Stephen Knight, who did Peaky Blinders, among other things. And I cannot wait for people to see this series. I thought it was beautiful. The actress who plays Marie-Laure, who is this young girl, her name is Aria Mia Loberti, and she is absolutely extraordinary and I feel like it's not very often that you see someone make an acting debut and legit an acting debut like she is uh she is by the way I believe a PhD or a PhD candidate she's a Fulbright scholar I mean she's got a full life aside then was like hmm maybe I should try acting and she knocks it out of the park Jessica, I couldn't agree more. And what I loved um, is Sean Levy really addressed the fans here saying, look, I'm a huge fan of this. I'm not going to mess it up. And he definitely has not messed it up. It's really, really well done and beautiful. And Jessica, I hope it's okay to ask, but you have sort of a personal connection to this story as well, and I'd love to hear about it. I do. Watching it was very, very moving because my family is French, and my father had to escape from Paris also in 1940 in what was probably within a month or two of when this is set, or at least at the beginning of when this novel is set. And so there are moments where you're watching Mark Ruffalo plays her father, um, Daniel and he works at this at this museum and and you're watching Daniel and Marie Laure escape Paris by foot with all of these other refugees and it's just I found it so moving and I know that that's a personal connection but I also you know so many people there's so much displacement and and so many refugees all over the world there's something very powerful about watching this thing that we have seen occur over and over and over in the last hundred years. 
it's also very beautiful. I mean, there's Semelo, which is the town the in the south where Marie Laure and her father escaped to, and then an incredible character of Etienne, who's I don't want to spoil too much about, except to say that he's played by Hugh Laurie in such a wonderful performance. Um, but Budapest was the double for Semelo. They shot a little bit in Semelo, but in general, and also for Paris, and just the way that this four-part series is shot is so incredible. Absolutely agree. I can't wait for people to see it and talk about it and take it in and know that Sean Levy really did the book proud. Jessica, I'm going to do a little bragging on your behalf. If people want to read Jessica's story, um, you went back and retraced your father's steps and did so for the New York Times. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful article and folks should check it out. It's um, really powerful and compelling. Henry, thank you so much. Oh my God. I mean, and it's also shorter than Anthony Doerr's novel. It's like way shorter and not as good. But if you want to read it uh, about my trek over the Pyrenees, yes. Jessica, I do want to make one more plug for people who are interested in the series and not sure whether they want to commit or not. Um, we have the first few minutes of All the Light We Cannot See. It's available for anyone to watch on todoom.com. You don't have to be a Netflix member, but we've got the first six or seven minutes that you can take a look and um, what your appetite for the show. And then it is out today so you can absolutely check it out are you gonna watch all four in one sitting like i did i don't know or you can do what i did the other night and do a double feature of selling sunset and naiad which couldn't have been more different yet somehow they went together somehow they worked i lo i love that it is always nice when you see these these kind of strange it's like the old like reese's peanut butter cup commercials or like you put your chocolate in my peanut butter it's kind of like sometimes it shouldn't work and it just does you know choose which way to go neither is wrong choose your own adventure choose your own adventure indeed Henry, another show to keep a lookout for is Sly, which is a new documentary that's coming out tomorrow. It's from director Tom Zimney. And of course, it's about Sly Stallone or Sylvester Stallone, as some people call him fine. And of course, a superstar for 50 years. I love how he started. I love that he wrote the script to Rocky when he just had like barely had two pennies to rub together and someone might have bought it and it might have starred someone else who went on to become a superstar and instead he said no this role is mine and I, I, I love that series. I am an apologist for all the Rockies but of course Rocky one is the best. The documentary also has all of these interviews with people who've worked with him or been in the industry with him, from Quentin Tarantino to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Henry Winkler, and yes, Frank Stallone Jr. Can't wait to see this. I will go anywhere that Henry Winkler does. You and me both. Uh, by the way, Sly is also being covered on our sister podcast, You Can't Make This Up. So just to recap, in case you weren't taking notes, Sly is out tomorrow. Six Feet Under is out now. Selling Sunset will be out tomorrow. Nyad also out tomorrow, in case you're doing Henry's double feature. And All the Light We Cannot See is out now. You can also check out all of our other podcasts on We Have the Receipts. We're going to be breaking down the new season of Selling Sunset, including an interview with Nicole Young. And you can listen to that episode on 
Monday. And then Sly director Tom Zimney will be a guest on You Can't Make This Up, and that episode will come out on Wednesday. Henry, that's going to do it for us on Now on Netflix. Um, but before you go, pumpkin spice latte, yay or nay? I'm going with nay. Yeah, this is many reasons why I love you, and this is most definitely one of them. We'll see you next week.